Are you looking to grow revenues, increase profitability, or obtain financing? If so, you came to the right place. Running a business is all about leadership. How do you become a better leader? Learn from the successful entrepreneurs and business owners how to lead your organization more effectively. That's why we created Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business, to help you succeed with your host, Andrew Frazier, Business Growth Pro and CFO and founder of the Small Business Pro University. Every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're joined by experienced entrepreneurs and business owners who share their secrets to success via live stream. Also, every Friday morning, we release a new podcast episode. Either way, you will learn about developing your business leadership skills from our roster of highly performing guest experts. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com. Welcome back to Leadership Live at 805. I'm Andrew Frazier. Excited to be here once again, hanging with, out with you on Tuesday evening. We're back here again, um, just trying to get us prepared to have a great year in 2023. And at the end of the day, the most important thing you can do as a business owner is market and sell your products and services successfully. So that's really what we're going to focus on even more so this year than before. And um, last week, we had a great session with Gene Bohinsky and you know, really just scratch the surface of some key things that you really need to do to know and do to be a successful business owner. So I invite him back again to continue our conversation and really talking about how to accelerate your sales growth without a salesperson. You know, of course, you know, as a small business owner, you know, there's so many things you need to do, but also, you know, having the finances and being able to grow your business is key. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things that you need to do and understand and know to be able to grow your business more successfully. Hey, Gene, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, great. How are you? It's great to be back. Excellent. excellent. Glad to be back again, hanging out, talking small business, and really talk about some things that could be extremely valuable for people. So right. welcoming everybody back again. Thanks again for joining as well. Um, you know, you've introduced yourself, but what might be good is just take a sec to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your Arthur strategies. You focus on marketing and sales strategies. Just talk a little bit about what that is and um, means before we get back into, um, you know, the topic for the evening. Well, sure. What we do is we help clients focus uh, on the right people with the right message. And that might seem really academic that that's easy to do, but most of the time uh, companies haven't really spent a lot of time refining that message, especially after they've been in business for a while. So we help unpack that at companies to see what do they, what do, they do best? What is the experience that they've had? Uh, what are the customers that they make the most profit from? What are the goods and services that they provide that, that resonate the most with, with their customers? We help them unpack that and we help them devise, devise a strategy 
uh, to grow that business by focusing on outbound selling. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of times companies start out uh, selling to their friends, selling to their clients, selling through referrals. They've never really had to think about how to sell to somebody that they've never met before. What are they going to say to them? Who are they going to say it to? Right? Who are the people that would be interested in their product or service? Uh, a lot of times those questions haven't really been properly answered to the degree, to the degree that you can actually go out and build a list of, of target people and then figure out a way how you're going to message them with, with your product or service that actually leads to sales, right? Profitable sales, right? And a lot of uh, small business owners, that's what, uh, they really need help to do that, especially before they hire someone as a salesperson. As we spoke last week, um, it's clear if you're not ready for a salesperson, uh, if you hire somebody, they're, they're very costly to actually get on board. And there's a high rate of failure. There's a, there's a great chance that without doing a lot of the legwork, uh, you're going to give that salesperson the keys and they're not going to do very much with them, right? Okay. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, it's important to prepare your business for the success and, you know, if you're going to bring on a salesperson. But just in general, like you said, um, business changes over time. You know, you who you're selling to may need to change. What you're selling may need to change. And really doing that in the most um, professional, organized way um, possible will help you get better results easier and faster. Well, you know, a lot of times customers, I mean, a lot of times custom uh, companies make those changes without even realizing they're changing, right? They naturally gravitate towards areas where they're successful, uh, getting referrals and, and, and responding to inquiries. And they end up doing business in areas that they didn't, they didn't start out with, right, at first. Uh, and so they might not even know in some cases some of the reasons why their customers choose them. <laughs> so you know you've seen that before, mm -hmm. uh, right? So they don't even they don't even realize that they have a value proposition that they've developed or that they've developed something unique that could really be um, you know used to grow your business in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know. Talking through it with you, you know, we realized there's just so many layers to being able to market and sell successfully. Um, but if you don't peel through those layers, you're not going to get the ultimate level of success that your business can have. That's so, right. You know, it's important to do that. And, you know, it really all begins with developing your marketing plan and strategy through doing research and planning for what you're going to do. Um, so, you know, definitely that's, that's a key, a key component of it. Um, I know you've worked with a lot of companies and a lot of businesses, you know, what would you say, um, you know, when you're going to take someone back to be to the beginning and get started with them and try and figure out what their best marketing sales strategies for them? Where do you start? Well, first start by looking at what areas that they're the most successful in, 
because any any company that's been around for a while is going to have a range of customers. Some of them are going to be legacy customers that they're probably undercharging. Others are going to be, you know, new customers that they are bringing in at, at hopefully uh, market rates, selling them services or products that they've developed recently in response to what they've learned from the customers they've had in the past. That's the first step. It's really to refine what it is that you want to focus on selling going forward and what kind of pricing should you have. The next thing is to figure out the sales channel. You know, are you selling direct? Are you selling through distribution? Do you have sales reps? Uh, do you have uh, a, a salesperson that you want to bring on? The biggest error that small companies make is that they don't allocate a portion of their revenue to sales expense. So let's say you, you're, you're starting your own company and you know, you're the one doing all the work and most of the work. And at the end of the year, you make, let's say you make $150,000. And you've sold a million dollars. Well, if you're the principal salesperson, that $150,000 profit is really the sales expense. That is the amount of money that you were paid to do the selling. If you were going to hire a salesperson, you'd need to pay that person $150,000 to bring in that million dollars worth of sales that you did. Now, I picked those numbers specifically because 15% is kind of like a nice round number that you can use for the cost of selling, especially if you're selling direct to end users or direct to the customer without any middleman. If a salesperson's doing the work, they're going to need 15% of that price to do that work. And if it's you doing it yourself as the owner, you're probably not allocating that cost. And that's one of the reasons why uh, small companies can actually go to market for less because they're just not allocating the sales costs. They're just, they're just hoping that they're going to make a profit and all that profit goes to the owner. They can't really ever scale that business because if they did, you know, they can't hire a salesperson and pay them 15% and then pay you 15% because that money isn't there. Right? So we try to figure that out too for the client to make sure that we know how they're going to be selling to make sure there's a cost of sales allocated and we know who's going to be doing that selling. Okay, so so that's a good point. I mean, I always run into small business owners, and you know, more often than not, they undercharge. You know, I'm, I've been guilty of that myself. And um, you know, you can do that as a small business owner, like you said, because you know you can fold some of that cost in. You have a lower cost structure, but that's just because you're um, taking it out of your end. But, that's right you know, or you're donating extra time and services um, to the cause. But, you know, if you're going to grow, you know, if your cost structure is not right, then you can't grow and be profitable because you, you're going to have to pay people to do some of those things that you're just doing um, and not allocating any any of the price to. So that's um, right. So now when you're, you know, we're going to, Bounce around to different things today, but you know I think that's good. You know we had a good foundational thing, but pricing is so important to the success of your business on you know on a number of levels, and you know there's some rules of thumb depending on the type of business you're in, and 
you know, your situation that you want to think about. Um, you know, one that, you know, there needs to be a marketing and sales expense. But, you know, if you're a wholesale business, as opposed to a resale, retail business, how, how, how do they differ in terms of that? Well, with a, with a wholesale business, you're effectively paying somebody else to do a large portion of the selling for you, which is why you're selling that product at a lower price. If you take a look at, uh, let's say you're selling a retail product, uh, let's say it's a bottle of shampoo and the retail price is $10. Well, a specialty store or a typical store is going to want to buy that soap for $5. They need to double that money in their store to make a profit, to pay for their salespeople, to pay for rent. If you're selling that direct, yeah, you can get $5 for it. But if you're selling that through a distributor or a representative, most likely you're going to have to make sure that the distributor or representative gets 10%, right? Sometimes they want more than 10%. So you're going to be selling that, that shampoo for $4 or for $4.50 wholesale, right? Because you need to have some some of that money in that sales price allocated for the distribution which means if you're going to make 50 percent margin yourself as a manufacturer that four dollar bottle of soap you have to make sure you manufacture it for two dollars two dollars and twenty cents so you what effectively the retail price is going to be four to five times of your manufactured price that's where a lot of people fall short Right. They don't understand those different layers and the need to have to pay different people to do certain things within that within that structure. For example, if you want to get your product into Walmart, a lot of times you need a distributor locally uh, or a rep that can get that in there. Sometimes they take five percent of the price. And when you take when you when you factor all that in, your manufacturing costs have to be real low in order to um, to be profitable to make selling through Walmart profitable. There's a lot, of, a lot of things you need to do to factor that in. Most of the time, small business owners and a lot of businesses, even large businesses, don't do that math right, and they end up losing money, especially since you're responsible for the returns and any unsold items. Because Walmart is only going to pay for what's been actually sold. They're not going to eat any of the returns. Um, so typically, you know, when you're dealing with a with a distribution business, typically you would allocate, let's say, five percent for your own salesperson. So if you're going to do fifteen percent for a direct salesperson, you might allocate five percent for a or four percent for a salesperson internally to deal with reps and distributors. That means one person uh, has to be responsible for three to four or five million dollars worth of sales through a distributor versus if that salesperson was selling direct, maybe a million dollars worth of sales if they're getting 15 or 20% allocated to that. That's typically, and, and that means the numbers are pretty big. Just think about that 150,000. You know, if you want a decent salesperson, that's about what it costs. You don't need to pay that all up front, but you have, but those sales, if you want a really good salesperson, per, that's kind of like where they start. Right. They might deal with a 100K um, or a 90K um, base salary, but they want to make sure that they can, they can meet those bonus checks. They're not, they're not selling for you 
uh, for the base salary. They want to make that bonus. And you got to make sure that your plan and your sales approach is going to allow them to make that bonus for them to be successful. Otherwise, I think we mentioned before, if they're good, uh, they're going to be quitting on you because if they can't make that bonus like it's expected, they're going to look for someone uh, or another place where they can. Okay. Okay. So cool. So yeah, no, definitely you know, you've got, you know, different pricing strategies from different places. Um, you know, we talked some, you know, you were talking more about product businesses, but service businesses as well require a lot, you know, a marketing and sales expense. I mean, I'm in the service business, you know, depending on where you are, you know, you may be spending three or four hours for every one hour you bill, especially early on in the cycle. So, you know, you, you're, you're eating those yourself, but if you're going to hire someone to sell for you, um, you know, you're going to have to pay them and that it should be reflected in your billing because if you're going to grow, um, you know, you're going to need to have a sales cost in it. And, you know, for service businesses, how, how does that differ and, and what, what are some rules of thumb or what should be people be thinking about in terms of their, their pricing and how much marketing and sales expense should be attributed? Well, I mean, you need to, I would, I would say a minimum of 20% of your revenue on a service business. If you're an individual consultant, uh, you need to be spending half of your time selling. That means if you want to bill 20 hours, you need to sell for 20 hours. Um, I remember a lawyer friend of mine said they expected her to bill 40 hours. Uh, that also meant they expected her to sell 40 hours, right? Which means that she was working 80 hours a week. And that's what the expectation is if you're going to bill 40 hours. So that's that kind of like, like you, you have to spend a lot of time on sales and, and business development. Um, in general, people would rather not do that work, right? Most of the people who are consultants and specialists and service providers which mu would much rather do the work than sell the work. And, um, and then you always get into the consultant's conundrum where you go and sell, you get a whole bunch of work, the work runs out, and you got to start from scratch and do your selling again. That's why it's so important to productize your services so that other people can sell them and they're also more profitable. So you're not do doing hourly work anymore. So for example, if you can put together like some kind of bookkeeping package that is let's say $1,000 a month and you're allocating a certain amount of time that is less time where the hourly rate is actually higher than what a consultant would actually make and you bundle services so your profit is higher then there's more room for you to, to pay somebody to sell those services. That's really the only way to do it. You can never pay somebody to sell your hourly services unless the hourly service is so high that you can afford that. You know, and some, sometimes specialists are 300 to $600 an hour. That's a different story. But for most of the type of sales and marketing, advertising, you know, bookkeeping, even accounting, uh, it's very difficult to, scale those services unless you're selling you know productized services that allow for more profit to be made but that goes to the idea of how hard it is to actually sell and get new clients most people forget how hard it is 
um, even if you're successful and most of it is on referral, getting yourself in a mode where you're actually going out to customers with a message to people who don't know you, right, to have no relationship with you, and then bringing those into becoming new clients, that's a lot harder to do. And it requires that you have, you know, your message honed, you have your pricing honed, you have a strategy, and you know uh, how much work it's going to take to get a certain results that you expect. Okay. Okay. So, so definitely, you know, you talk about it. It's, it's more, a lot more work and a lot more time consuming and challenging and needs more different skills than you would think it would to really to be able to do that successfully. Um, so now, you know, given that, you know, a lot of people are like, well, how can I get help? And, you know, one of the first thing people say, you know, let me hire a salesperson. But like we talked about, you know, salesperson can be hit or miss. And, you know, if you haven't done your work to be prepared for a salesperson, they're not going to be successful. So, so what else can you do to get help? Um, you can do leads. They talk about, you know, lead generation. I think everybody and their mother is selling lead generation services. Um, what is that? And, you know, is that a good thing? Um, and what should you be careful of? I mean, um, definitely you need leads, but, uh, you know, how does that work? Well, a lead, you know, first, uh, first we have to uh, talk again of what a lead is. A lead is somebody that has expressed interest in your product or service and has the capability and, and ability to actually buy it and use it. That means they have interest, they have a need, and they have the money to buy your product or service. That's a lead. Uh, a lot of lead generation companies, uh, what they give you isn't really what I would consider a lead. You know, a lot of people, you can get lead lists from trade shows, right? Let's get, get a whole list of leads from everybody who attended, you know, the heating show, um, you know, or the, you know, the, um, the landscaper show. Well, a list of attendees are not leads. Those are potential leads. Uh, those are targets. Maybe they're not even targets. You know, a target is someone who you think could be a lead. A lot of times you get names that aren't even targets. They don't have anything to do with, with your business at all, and would never be interested in it. Those aren't really leads. You know, a, 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 a lead generation company uh, should uh, have a list of people that they are going to call and or email or whatever way they're going to reach out to them. They need to reach out to those people and make a connection to them and confirm those three things that I said at the beginning that are true. That number one, they have an interest in your product or service. Uh, they can use the product or service and they have and and they have a the wherewithal to buy the product or service. That means they will they will pay for that for you. Uh, that's a lead. That's someone that when somebody delivers that kind of person to a, to a client, a client can call them and have a discussion with them about whether, you know, to go, to go further, whether they might be interested in the proposal or learning more about the product or service. But the lead only goes that far. The lead doesn't, doesn't it's not a customer, right? It's not someone who has decided to buy your product. 
that's not what a lead is. A lot of times you deliver leads to customers and they're surprised that the person on the other side really isn't that interested or doesn't want to place an order immediately. That's not what a lead is either. A lead isn't someone that is ready to buy your product now. That's not a lead. A lead is someone that has expressed interest, has the wherewithal to buy the product or service, and would like to talk to you further about that. And that's the hardest part of getting those people, because because in my experience, you, know, you could start a, you could start out with a list of a thousand people, right? You end up only contacting two hundred of them because people are hard to get a hold of. You get twenty of them who uh, agree to have some sort of further conversation with with the client, and maybe two of them become customers. So out of a thousand, it goes down to two point two percent, right? People don't realize that's a lot of people that you got to start out with, right? But remember, you're cold. You're 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 cold calling them. You're you're. It's the contact is cold. You have no idea if they have a need. You have no idea whether they're interested, whether they're even the right person. And this is even after you've done a lot of research to find the right titles, the right companies, the right industries. Even then. Right, you still have a lot of those people that might not be interested or not today, or they made the investment before, they don't really need the service right now. Right, so the numbers are a lot, that's a lot of work on the front end. This is really why most companies don't do that work, to be honest with you. Um, they try to do that work maybe once or twice or three times a year, they make 20, 30 phone calls, they get nowhere. And then they're discouraged and they stop it, right? And uh, that's that's what happens most of the time. And it's also because most of the people who do that on the side, whether they're salespeople, maybe the owner, or maybe the owner hires somebody else to make those calls on the side and they're not really trained to do it. They don't really want to do it because no one really likes making those calls except for a, a certain a small amount of people that love it, which they do exist. Um, so if you have someone who's not suited to make those calls and they're only going to make 20 or 30 calls, uh, then you're just not going to be very good at getting anybody who's interested. It's just very, very difficult to do. So it's a lot of work up front to get somebody that is interested um, on the bottom. And that, that's kind of what, what a lead is, what, what I would consider a lead to, to be. A lot of companies, I will warn you that there's a lot of lead generation companies which will kind of like do hard selling and will, will, will give you leads and they'll be junk leads. They'll try to like coerce somebody on the other side to be interested uh, or, or try to get somebody to convince you to have a meeting with someone when they really have no interest, right? Uh, I've hired those companies myself. And I've also hired call, hired callers that have seen that that way. That their 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 main goal is to get uh, you know names on a list to say, listen, I I found seven people who are interested in, in talking to you about what your product or service. That's not a lead either. A lead is when somebody has a real conversation with that person on the other side, and the person really does have an interest. To learn more about your product or service that's that's what a lead is okay so you know of course you know it's hard work and takes a lot but there's there's ways that you can 
um, get to that stage faster and easier sometimes. You know, one of the things they say is, you know, as a small business owner, you know, you're your most effective salesperson um, because, you know, a lot of times people are buying you. So it's easier for them to identify when they're talking to you um, so they can know, like, and trust you. But, you know, you take advantage of opportunities for warm leads. Um, you know, that's where networking and relationships come in. Um, well, everybody, I used to have somebody on one of my business owner boards. Mm -hmm. He made it a habit that every day he did, he made five outgoing calls to people he didn't know or people that yeah. he met someplace and didn't really go anywhere. He made five a day. He took out 15 minutes to make five dials. And he got a lot of work that way over the years. It's uncomfortable work. Mm -hmm. But I mean, every the first the first thing a business owner can do is to start with with the people that he already has on his list that he's talked to before. I mean, there's there's money there, right? Uh, most of the people have not exhausted those warm leads, you know. And a lot of times the reason is is because when you get busy, you forget about doing that. And and this is what's critical. If you're going to build your business that is going to have sustainable growth, you need to be doing outbound sales activities all the time, even when you don't need it, right? You need to have somebody follow up on all those people, or you as the owner needs to follow up on those people on a regular basis to make sure that you always have somebody in the, you have people in the pipeline. You have people who are getting closer to doing business with you um, that are following that following that sales funnel down that you're going to get people who are interested in you if you've exhausted all that that's when you can hire a company like like us uh what we're going to do is sit down with you and and research uh, your product your customers talk to you about who your targets are then with our based on our research we're going to go find out and get build a list of, of clients potential clients, potential customers, and we're going to devise a couple of strategies to, to, to reach them all. And, and there we're going to work closely with, with the business owner to make sure that they help us identify which ones are really important to hit, right? Because sometimes you can look at a list of 200 names and say, oh, that one's going to be good. That one's going to be good. That one's going to be good. And in some cases, those are the people the business owners need to call themselves and say, hey, listen to my assistant, you know, reached out to you last week. You know, I just want to make sure that I follow up and answer any of your questions. You know, sales is, sales on our kind of level, it's not a, uh, it's a conversation. Nobody wants to be hard sold into anything, right? No one wants to buy something they're not interested in. And so all the conversations have to be positive conversations that the customers can learn something from that make them interested in what you have to say, right? So that they have a motivation to actually talk to you and learn something from you, right? You have to have something to offer them. Even if, even in the phone call, you have to be offering something to them for that conversation. And then you find out in the conversation whether it's a fit or not. It's okay to if it doesn't fit, if it's not the right person, take them off the list. Okay. So, you know, definitely, you know, it, it is a conversation. Um, but for that conversation to go well, 
you know, you talked about having to have something to say to them, or really a, your value proposition. You know, what is the value that you're bringing to the table for that? And a lot of times, um, we may need to develop them further to make it more effective in our messaging. Um, Absolutely. So, if someone's thinking about their value proposition, what what makes a good value proposition? Well, the good value proposition uh, is really something that is, in my opinion, going to help the customer solve some kind of problem, right? Or make their life easier in some way that addresses something that is that is top of mind, something going on that they can relate to right away. And you've got to you've got to get into into their heads a little bit. I mean, right now, cybersecurity is a big deal, right? Cybersecurity is a problem that is increasing. Um, ransomware attacks are increasing. They're happening to municipalities. They're happening to um, small companies, large companies. They're happening to individual people. So if you're in an IT business, that's not really hard to, to talk about, um, about cybersecurity. And certainly if you have some kind of approach that is unique, and, and most of the time, what I try to help companies do is unpack what it is about them that is unique and why customers like them so much. Because a lot of times business owners don't really know that exactly, right? They don't know exactly why, why someone chooses them over a competitor. So I have, I have an example for you. I have a, one, of my, uh, one of my clients owns a construction company that focuses on insulation. If you go to their website, you know, they have so much, much information on how meticulous they complete their jobs and the process of how they, they, that insulation job becomes, you know, is always a success. And, you know, when somebody goes to their site and goes to talk to that company, you immediately get the feeling of competence. You immediately get the feeling they know what they're gonna, what they're doing. If your house has an issue with insulation and it's drafty or cold, you know that once you talk to them, that problem is probably gonna be solved, right? So, you know, part of that part of that proposition is 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 using that knowledge. Now that you know how how customers see you, you could now form your formulate your messaging around the strengths that you know you have whereas in the past you would have just said oh we, we just we're just a, an insulation contractor and we use this type of insulation give us a call we'll give you a quote right you can go one step further you can say well you know we guarantee the comfort of your home by our methods that we've developed to make sure we solve any of the insulation problems that we find when we when we go to your house right? you, you you elevate the conversation to really what, what what you're doing when you're elevating the conversation is that you're heading off all of the possible customer objections you're taking care of them in advance right you're able to talk about your product or service that puts the customer at ease and answers their their questions inside their head that they're having right and and while you're doing that in that conversation you're building confidence 
and you're building competence with that with that customer. And so they're going to see you as a leader. They're going to see you as someone that's probably going to do a good job. And they're going to want to talk to you further about doing the work, whether it's a consumer or another business. Okay. So really being able to communicate it. And, of course, nowadays you don't have a lot of time to communicate. So you've got to do it quickly. And That's where the magic comes in. you got to figure out how to – if you're going to make a phone call, you got to figure out how you're going to attract someone's attention with the first line. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one one – way that you know i found you know doing different selling training and and working with people um is it's important to create the need as what they say is really just help them and you to identify the need want or desire that they have so you know before you try and tell them the solution that you have for them you want it to be clear what that solution is to so that you know first is that a need that they have and then once i identify that is a need that they have then you know they're more open to hearing your solution uh, you know i think you know a lot of times we talk to and sell based on what we want to say rather than what the customer wants the wants and needs to hear and many times we're not successful because of that so you know thinking from a customer central standpoint it is is really important um you know, I, know I, I agree with that i i would say that that is really the key that's why in many cases you you might want to ask your customers first what they think about you Mm -hmm. uh, and figure that out i mean i always try to look at that first when i listen to a business owner talk about what they do First thing I think to myself is, how is the customer going to care about this? Do they care about this? Anything that the customer isn't going to care about has to be taken out. Mm -hmm. right? um, because customers just don't care about certain things. Yeah. And, and and they like they have something going on in their head that they need addressed. Whether yeah. it's cybersecurity or insulation or um, any anything that, that you have an issue with that your business helps with whether you're an electrical contractor or an HVAC contractor, whether you're a bookkeeper, whether you're trying to help business owners with their QuickBooks online uh, and all the challenges that, that, that business owners have with that, right? Uh, if you're calling a business owner up uh, and you're selling a QuickBooks online service, right, you should have some idea of what their most likely uh, biggest challenges are. And talk... And immediately start talking about them. Ask them questions and and get them to talk about their issues first before you even say any anything. I mean, I used to do this in sales when I was in technical sales. You know, I used to I used to go in, uh, and I wouldn't say anything about my products at all until they spoke for maybe ten minutes. I I, I didn't even know. I you know I've seen so many people make presentations talking about all these things and i'm sitting next next to the guy i'm like i know the customer has no interest in any of the stuff that you're talking about mm -hmm. you know he's got something he's working on that has almost nothing to do with what you're saying and he's just waiting to be asked a question all right he's bored listening to your presentation like yeah go through your presentation and when you're done then i can ask the question i never did that 
I never gave any presentations. Mm -hmm. I got, I, I asked, I went right to what they're working on. Right. And, 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 and only when I figured out what their issues were, then I could go and present how the product could benefit them in a way that would make sense to them. Because you can be talking about product benefits that they might be, they might be real, but they might not have any interest in those product benefits. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, there's so many different things that that we can do, but um, you know, one of the things is we need to be marketing and selling every day. Um, we need to be every consistent. Day. You know, we need, and then one thing we, we want to talk of a little bit about now is we need to follow up. You know, we've talked about you need to have a certain number of touches and interactions before they're going to buy from you. But the only way that happens if you follow up with them, because you know how often are they going to follow up with you usually? Well, here's a couple of rules of thumb. If you make a phone call and you leave a message, most likely the message is not going to be heard. Typically, if you're going to leave a message and they don't know you, you just leave your name and ask them to call you back. Don't ever mention what the call is about, right? And assume that they're probably not going to call you back. But that's the one. That's the one approach that will give you the most, the most bang for the buck. Just leave your message. Hi, this is Mike Smith. Give me a call when you get a chance. That's all you say, right? The next thing with email is, I would say, if you if they don't know you well, or you've just talked to them, if you send them an email, there's an eighty percent chance they're not going to read the email. Or they won't, they, they'll just either forget it, they'll go to spam. It's the number one excuse. I sent them an email. I never heard back. Um, it's not an excuse because 80% of the time they didn't see the email or don't remember the email. So whenever you're doing any kind of outreach and you're following up with anything or you are forced to follow up with anything, if you've sent them a quote or a proposal, you've asked them a question, the first thing you do when you send an email is you you call them to ask them whether they received the email. You don't have to call to follow up on the email. Just call to ask that whether they received it. That's all you need to do. That might lead into a question right away, the question that you've wanted to hear, right? That might lead into a conversation. Or it might be, oh, thanks for reminding me. I didn't get to it yet, right? In either way, it invites another phone call and another conversation down the line. So whenever you send an email out, follow up with that call, right, to make sure that they got the email. Uh, it's the same thing with any type of message. If you're messaging on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is interesting because if you're, if you're a salesperson and you're using LinkedIn, you probably have the app on your phone. It's probably on your computer. If you get a LinkedIn message, most likely you're getting that message right away. That's not necessarily the case for your clients. Your clients might be checking LinkedIn once a week or once a month. And if you respond to them on LinkedIn, you might not get a response back from them, even though they responded to you, right? They might not look in their LinkedIn. They might not remember. So any conversation with LinkedIn needs to be moved to the email or phone as soon as possible. LinkedIn is not a good messaging app. And uh, most of the time, in my experience, 
um, conversations go to die on LinkedIn. Unless you get them off of LinkedIn, they're going to die. So that's another excuse. Oh, they didn't follow up with me on LinkedIn. If they didn't follow up, it means you didn't follow up, right? You didn't get a hold of them, right? So same with calling. Uh, you want to keep calling. If you didn't find somebody uh, to talk to or you left a message for somebody, that's not an excuse. You know, when I when I, I instruct my callers, you leave a voicemail, okay, you can leave a voicemail, but that doesn't mean the job is over. That's not an end disposition. It's not an end disposition until you've talked to the person and they have told you that they're not interested. They have to tell you they're not interested or you have to ascertain that there's no demand or interest for your product or service before you can take them off the list. Not responding is not a disposition. It could be that your phone number is wrong. It could be that they routed you to the wrong place and you left the message on the wrong uh, extension. It could be that they that you uh, that the extension rang and rang and rang and it was the wrong one. Never assume it got to the right place unless you've talked to somebody. Right. If you really need to get a hold of somebody, call somebody else in the company and continue to ask to speak with that person. Especially if it's something important like following up on the quote. You know, if it's a company that you're dealing with and they've asked you or you somehow you've given them a quote for a product or service, most likely they need that quote and they need that product or service. And you need to make sure you follow up with them to make sure that they saw the quote. I can tell you how many times in my career that I've sent out quotes or I've heard of quotes being sent out and the customers never got it. And months went by and until somebody called them back. And they're like, oh, I no one ever got back to me. We needed that product. What happened? Right? Um, if you are in a position where you're quoting somebody or you've been asked to give them information, it is your responsibility in a short order to make sure that they received the information and that they understood what you sent to them. Uh, and there's no excuses if that doesn't happen, not for yourself or for your sales team. <laughs> I sound rather strict, but I just ha I'll just give you another example. I have one of my clients who's, who's a, a, a contractor and we have a, a way of, of getting contractors really onto um, a lot of large contractors' bidders' lists. And we have a messaging, uh, a series of messages. And we found out, we had this, the numbers, 80% weren't responding. They were interested, the information was given to them and there was no response. So I explained to the client, give them a call, find the phone number at their office and give them a call. Now, here's where things fall down. I don't have their phone number. Get their phone number. Find it. Find it on Google, right? If you, receive, if you only get their receptionist, call the receptionist and say, listen, I'm trying to get a hold of Mike Smith. He requested a quote from me. Or I'm supposed to give him some information, but I haven't been able to get a hold of him. There isn't any gatekeeper that's going to stop that kind of request, right? Because it presupposes the relationship exists and what you're talking to the client with is important, right? And you have to understand that going in. You are important. What you have to say is important. The client needs to hear what you have to say. And you as a 
as someone in sales, if you're a business owner or a salesperson, you're responsible to close the loop in communication. Okay. How does that sound? Well, <laughs> sounds so, sounds good. Sounds like a lot of work, though. Um, but you know, sales is. A, I, I think we said we mentioned this before. Sales is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and my my experience is that sometimes, and this is really hard to fathom, but sometimes the work is so hard that you don't feel like you're getting anywhere because the hit rate is so small. But when you look back after a year or two, you realize you grew a business, right? You spend one or two years working your butt off trying to reach people and get a hold of people. And it was hard every single one of those days that you had to do that. But that's how you grow a business because nothing like this comes easy. It doesn't matter what kind of business it is. Mm -hmm. And and also, you know, it makes it a little easier when you think of it. You earlier you talked about, you know, you re you reach out to two thousand people and, or a thousand people, and maybe two of them are good leads. So if you've got someone close enough to that stage, rather than reaching out to a thousand more people to get another person to that stage, it's worth making those extra couple calls. Those oh my gosh, you don't realize how valuable leads are that are that have some degree of warmth to them. Certainly, if a third party—I mean, this is the thing that drives me crazy—is that we are we have companies that that engage us to provide them leads. We spend you know, maybe 10, 20 hours worth of calling to get one lead, and then they don't call them back. <laughs> they think it's just one name. Oh, it's just one name. Well, it took 20 hours worth of calling to get that name, right? And that name is going to be worth a lot of money when that when you turn that into a sale. But then we have we have clients that don't, don't call them back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't have time today. Well, you know, somebody spent 20 hours working on getting that name for you, and maybe that's not a good name right it's no guarantee that when somebody spends 20 hours with the coin that that person is going to be great he might just have a couple questions he might be a, a potential but everybody has some leads that have some degree of warmth somebody that they met somebody that you sent a quote to four months ago someone that you that might be interested in the past you got to call them all back mm. so so for for this year this coming year follow up is is a key word. Um, follow up is key. Encourage everybody to follow up even more and better, and and me myself included. Um, that's one. Not of until they say no. <laughs> <laughs> they have to tell you no. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, I think. Definitely, as we're looking at the coming year, you want to really think about you know, your marketing, your sales strategies, and be proactive about it and really develop plan and strategies around it that fits what you're really trying to do, fits your value proposition and your capabilities. Um, you know, a lot of times business owners are trying to do something and they're putting themselves in a disadvantage versus the competition because they're trying to do it the wrong way or 
outreach to the wrong type of customer that's not the best fit or most likely to buy their products or services. Um, do you find that a lot? Yes, I do. A lot of times um, that can be rectified by doing an analysis by customer type to find out which ones you're actually making money on. Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a client, uh, a construction client that had some some residential business and some some commercial business. And he realized, you know, per hour he was making something like four times more on this very specific commercial business. And I said, well, you know, maybe you ought to just focus on that because, you know, that there's even more of that out there than the residential business. And so um, that was kind of an aha moment because he never really did the analysis because he felt, well, all work is work. Right. He felt when he was busy, he was making money. And uh, lo and behold, he found that wasn't always the case. OK, so, yeah, I mean, so definitely having that type of insight and perspective can, can be helpful. And, you know, for this year, you know, you want to take a look, you know, reinvent yourself. Take a look at, you know, what you're doing and where you're going and what your strategies are. And. Um, you know, if that's something that you're looking to do or you need help with, that might be something you want to reach out to Gene about. Um, you know. I'd be glad to help. One thing I will say to give everyone a pep talk, um, you know, everyone knows there's some dark clouds on the horizon with the economy. But I always say for people who for, are on our level of business, small and medium-sized businesses, if we hunker down and focus on what we do best, uh, we can grow market share. Right. And we can we can do better in these times than than um, than in times that are booming. So um, I would say, it, you know, never be swayed by any of the news, any of the any of the thing that that's that's negative. Um, you focus on making it happen and following up on those quotes and and following up on your leads and getting outside help to help you, you know, um, I'm I'm a big fan. I uh, my other part of my business is a business coach. Find a business coach that you trust. Andrew Frazier is a is a business coach. Um, business coaches can help you find issues that you didn't see. Right? They they can they ask the, ask the questions that should be asked but are seldom answered. And they can help you um, find out where your blind spots are, where where your strengths are, and where you should focus. Mm -hmm. And and your opportunities. You know, a lot of times, you know, you may not even realize who needs what you have the most. And um, you know, and it could just be a shift in your target market where your focus can make all the difference in the world. So, you know, having a, you know, a greater perspective and getting feedback, comments and ideas from others um, makes a huge difference. So I'll give you an example of something that came out of a coaching session. One of my, uh, one of my clients came to me with a list of his accounts, what he was charging them per month. And we looked at how much he was earning per month. I said, I think that based upon the list of your accounts, you should be earning 80% more. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was way undercharging. 
And I, we've devised a plan that for most of his clients, he should be doubling his charges for the, for the for next year. And he knew that he would lose a few of them, but in general, he would end up with 80% more revenue without having to even get new clients because he was charging too little. He wouldn't have done that by himself. He needs so he would have he needed somebody to look at what was going on and help him see what he was doing. You can't really do something like that without a coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm a, I, you know, there's nothing special about me being a coach. And a lot of coaches would have done the same thing uh, when they looked and saw what what I saw on the list. Uh, but that's one of the you want to have somebody in your in your um, circle that you trust that can give you that kind of um, honest advice. Definitely. Now, Andrew, you have so many clients that you've worked with that you've helped in this regard, and you're a master at this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, you know, it's, it's important to have that perspective. Um, you know, um, always love to have Gene on, um, just has great perspective and knowledge, especially in marketing and sales, which is, you know, your most important job, you know, there's never enough time, you know, it's already just about nine. So, you know, we can't really, you know, and we, this is our part two. So, and we still, you know, haven't covered everything we need, but at least hopefully we've given you a framework and some perspective and some ideas of things to start working towards. Um, some things that you can do and some things that you know you may need help with. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's about continually improving, continually learning, continually developing. And, you know, that's why we created this show for you. And, you know, we'll make ourselves available to help you or to help you get what you need. Um, so definitely thank you for hanging out during the holidays. Hope you're enjoying the holidays. Um, hope that you're ready for a great 2023. I know I am. Um, you know, I've got some great things on the horizon. I know Gene's doing some great stuff and, you know, we want to grow together. Um, it's going to be a good year for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're one of them. <laughs> and um, so, so yeah. So Gene, thank you again for hanging thank out. You. You know, we'll definitely um, be in touch and, you know, we'd like to have you on every so often to really share new insights about what's going on and how to approach growing your business. Thank you for listening to Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com.